0: Hello there and welcome to another Coffee and Concepts. Before I jump into the concept, I want to reintroduce what this is about and how it fits in what I offer online uh, and also tell you about a few things that I'm running in the near future. So Coffee and Concepts basically comes in the, the wake of the seminar that I give on the first Sunday of every month. So as you know, on YouTube, there's a free seminar open to anybody After that seminar, there's also a discussion group that is for all my patrons. But then the next Sunday, I take one of the concepts from the seminar and go a little bit deeper into it. So I do a video, which is this, that goes out on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, I facilitate a discussion. And then on the other Sundays, I usually do some sort of course. And I'm actually starting a course in November called How Not to Speak of God with the parentheses in a slightly different place than in my book of the same name. It's basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a critical reading of younger Pete. And younger Pete is going to hopefully do a critical reading of older Pete. And something I think will come out of that clash. Often people think that the seeds of the later work of a thinker are found in the early work. And so if you read, for example, people on Bonhoeffer, a lot of Bonhoeffer scholars contextualize Bonhoeffer's later work in relation to his early work. But often a thinker's later work is actually the key to understanding the early work. And it's using the later work as a way of trying to draw out some of the potentiality, some of the unspoken elements of the early work, that this can kind of be very, very productive. And so that's what I want to do. I actually want to not use my early work to understand the later work, but I want to re-look at that early work in light of what I do now and see if something more interesting and newer can come out. So anyway, that course starts in a couple of weeks and we'd love to have you involved. You'll get all the readings and as I say, I'll be leading the discussions. Also, I'm doing two retreats in 2024 in Ireland. One is for leaders who want to take the ideas of theology and bring them into some sort of faith collective and the other is Spark. And I'm expecting those to sell out. Spark always sells out. And this leadership thing's brand new. So if you're interested in those, go onto my website and find out more. Okay, so let's get into the concept for this month. Uh, I guess what I want to do is explore this notion of communities of belief that I talked about in the seminar and compare and contrast my work to that. I did talk about conservative churches, but I feel a little bit bad there because it's not just conservative churches. They're a good example of this, a good object lesson. But also you've got plenty of progressive and liberal groups and political organizations and cultural organizations where there are shared beliefs that are like dogmas that everybody affirms. And if you don't affirm them, you're an outsider or you are morally wrong. And often these are sloganized They're like little slogans that you can tweet and that you can put on Instagram. And they kind of like seem to succinctly say the right belief. And if you disagree with that slogan, you're in some way, as I say, at best, intellectually incorrect and at worst, morally corrupt. But what I was talking about in the seminar is that often these beliefs aren't really Supposed to be believed. They're not supposed to be embraced. They're a shibboleth that define a group, that allay anxiety. But there's a certain sense in which you're not really supposed to take them seriously. But that is something that is not expressed. So I talked a little bit about how there's prohibitions and prohibitions of prohibitions. So a prohibition is where you're not allowed to say or do something. And a prohibition of a prohibition is when you're not allowed to say that you're not allowed to say or do something. So an example of this, which Shizek used, is during Stalin's time, if you were at a party meeting and Stalin was there and somebody was critical of Stalin, they would be sent to the gulags. But if somebody else stopped them and said, don't say anything negative about Stalin you know we're not allowed to critique Stalin they would be sent to the gulags even quicker because not only were you not allowed to critique Stalin you weren't allowed to say that you weren't allowed to critique Stalin and a similar thing goes on in communities of belief where the person might have doubts in themselves but then there's this thing of where they're not allowed to know that they have doubts and questions. There's not just a repression. It's like a double repression. So the doubt is there, but it's it's completely covered over. And my first book was designed to expose this prohibition of prohibition within mostly the evangelical community, right? So How Not to Speak of God was a book in which I was trying to introduce kind of mysticism into the evangelical lexicon I was trying to not bring doubt into the community but rather to show that it was already there but it was so doubly prohibited that it was coming out in unhealthy ways primarily in reaction formation which is where something comes out in it's opposite if you have real self-hatred and self-loathing it often is evidenced in a kind of seeming narcissism So in the same way, doubt and unknowing within the evangelical community often was expressed as an obsession with apologetics. So that book was not about, as I say, introducing doubt and unknowing into the community, but rather saying it's already there, it's just doubly prohibited. And the idea is, if you can just show the second prohibition, if you can show that doubt and unknowing is there but but is being repressed and you just show that you just draw out that repression that leads inevitably to the drawing out and the bringing up of that wellspring of doubt and unknowing and complexity that gets a chance to breathe and the idea there is that when that is able to come to the surface we are able to you know, really have a transformation in our lives and I think come to a deeper appreciation of what faith is, which is precisely, I would argue, a way of living in that space of deep unknowing. And it wasn't just that doubt and unknowing was in the individual, but also trying to show that this doubt and unknowing was in the texts of the religious tradition. And it wasn't just to say that there was doubt and unknowing within individuals. It was also trying to show that this diet and unknowing is celebrated within religious texts and religious traditions. So again, it wasn't about bringing something in from the outside. It was about drawing out what was already there but was being repressed in this kind of double prohibition way. So I'll kind of finish here just by concluding with the notion that transformance art Part of that was about drawing out the truth of our own repressions, of developing a curiosity within, our, about developing a curiosity with our own unconscious, with our own defense mechanisms, of kind of seeing that we are protecting ourselves against the type of unknowing that is already bubbling within us, and that we can, through music and spoken word and ritual, find a way to, kind of have a semi-permeable membrane where we begin to touch on that unknowing and that doubt and that ambiguity and we find that that is a wellspring of life and that it is central to what we mean by the word faith okay so we'll take that up on Sunday but hopefully that gives you something to chew on in the meantime thanks bye-bye